Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. How is it going tonight, William? It's going alright, my man. It's going alright. We're getting to that point where we would ne- normally nearly be right on the edge of it. We're not, but we are certainly no. getting closer and we might be getting some football. We might. Big might. Big question mark. Um, regardless of whether we do or not, this episode is going ahead and this episode is the Big 12 preview. So that's really, really good. Yeah, we get to actually yeah. preview and talk about some football. Fuck yeah, I'm so sick of this, you know, pussyfooting around and we don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, ev- ev- everything being unknown. You and I have said, fuck it, let's go ahead. Big 12 preview. Let's look at players. Let's look at teams. Let's have some fun. So this is going to be good. It is going to be good. I mean, I don't really fully understand the concept of what you're going with tonight, but we'll get to that later. Um, we've got a little bit of news to hit on as well, and then we're going to jump uh, straight into Big 12 football. Highfalutin passing and no defense. Uh, we're going to be humming through them like Shane Warne got through English women. Can, that's uh, good. Okay. Can I, can I just <laughs> jump in with two things here? early on in the piece yep. in this episode. So I know it's a Big 12 one. I'm going to ask you, just limit yourself having a go at the Big 12 and the lack of defense there. Like, just try your hardest to really work on that. That's like a, a short-term goal that I'm, I'm putting on you, my friend. Secondly, more longer term, I feel like there's a common negativity around the segments and the naming of things that I have in this show. <laughs> just need a bit more support. I think from your end, it would be... Uh, like everyone, all the listeners, I'm sure the vibe would be a much better atmosphere if you just got behind one or two of the segments. Like not all of them. I'm not infallible. Like I'm sure some of the stuff that we put out there is not great. But I think I just need a bit more from your end to kind of help this thing uh, keep rocketing along. Yeah, and that's probably fair. I just, it's been off season. I'm just ready for something to happen. And so my constantly negative and somewhat self-deprecating views of the world are starting to clearly permeate the uh, college football landscape and our podcast as well, which is, you know, a reflection of me, but also a reflection of also here we are. And also, fuck no, I can't do any of those things. <laughs> That's all right. As long as I can okay. see some like effort within. All right. Okay. I'll pretend. I'll pretend. Okay, here we go. So, uh, before we do get pre the Big 12 little preview, there is a little bit of news. So, kind of actually not really news, but jump in at any stage if you feel like you need to. Well, um, so firstly, teams that are still involved in college football, that is the ACC, the Pac-12, not the Pac-12, sorry, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 are back uh, at training pads. Uh, Miami had their first scrimmage. I haven't been able to track down too much information about anything really, but Teams are back into training and preparing for a season. Positive. The Big 12 is full steam ahead. They've sort of come out and said that, yep, we're going to go full noise. The ACC has had Syracuse players sit out for their third training in a little over a week. And FSU have had more players come out and say that they're worried about the testing protocols that are occurring uh, at their university. So the ACC Atlantic needs to tighten the fuck up and sort their shit out because we are one conference away from bailing on this season, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Justin Fields has started a petition for the Big Ten to be reinstated. Uh, Nebraska in the Big Ten also were like, hey, we want it in. 
Big 10 voted out, so we are going to just sign ourselves up for whoever wants us. And is nobody that, did, kind of. Hey? Is that, is that the case? Because I, all I've seen is Nebraska having to backpedal a little bit. Yeah, no, they have now since come out and backpedaled and said like, you know what? The relationship between Nebraska and the Big Ten is so, so solid. Never was in doubt. It's like, oh, yeah, that's because the Big Ten's the wealthiest conference. That's why you're backpedaling out of that one. So I think it makes sense for Nebraska. Um, but obviously that means no football for Scott Frost, Adrian Martinez, and the rest of the Cornhusker Nation. What I uh, also like that I've seen in the news on this whole front is in the space of trying to get the petition. So you said Justin Fields had that petition. There's also been the parents of Ohio State players, and I believe it was Iowa players who'd who'd written to the Big Ten, uh, expressing their concerns that they weren't going ahead with football. It's just the ultimate, like, I'm telling my mum and dad, and and they're going to write a letter in, and that's going to change everything, you know? (laughs) Like, it's... (laughs) <laughs> we, we see it as this big billion yep. dollar industry and then there's kind of this line where actually know they're school kids and it's only kind of times where it's like I'm getting mum and dad that you're like that's right these guys are fucking kids yeah um, and then apart from that we don't know much else there's kind of different factions breaking off all over the place from a conference standpoint um, there's no unity within the conference itself and the coaches all trying to kind of get onto some similar semblance of a page uh, Aaron went there. Uh, uh, and you know just in terms of, of what it's going to look like moving forward we still don't know a whole heap there's spring stuff being thrown out by the Big Ten and the um, Pac-12 as well so there's you know still more news to be effective to know anything but that is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of news for this week any other thoughts there Will? No that's been a great sharp recap there buddy that rarely happens with me as well so well both of us well we, we do waffle Let's a bit a we... pat on the back you've nailed it mate see that's i also important. i'm not drinking in this episode for the first time in like a long time i mean it's a monday so maybe maybe this Doesn't, is a thing hasn't stopped you in the past so you don't need to go mentioning the day of the week just to do it but yeah no <laughs> yeah. Not drinking. I'm not sure. This could go one of two ways for me. It could mean that you're going to be a little bit sharper and like pick me apart a little bit more. Uh, or, I think so. or, yeah, you're just kind of on edge a little bit more and angrier. And yeah, I just want to, go. I want to get to the end of this fucking episode. That's what I want. <laughs> I want to get out of here on time. Anyway, uh, let's get into the Big 12 then without any further ado. So before we get into teams as such, they sort of appeared to be the swing vote when the Big Ten and the Pac-12 said that they were out and then the SEC and ACC said they were going ahead. It appeared like all the power sat with the Big 12 because if of the Power 5 conferences, if the Big 12 bailed, it probably means the end of Power 5 football for the year, I would think. Uh, just from an optics perspective, if you're rolling with three out and then two in, it's not a great look. So we are teetering on the precipice here. We're you know cutting fine margins because if one of these conferences goes down uh, in terms of either big outbreak numbers of COVID or a uh, change of ethical, moral, you know, personal safety, sociological, however you want to frame it up, mindset to the point where they decide to renege on their commitment to the season then you would suspect that 
the other two conferences would be forced to also pull the pin. Uh, but the Big 12 did decide to push on, and, and as a result, at this stage, we do have college football. So I tipped my hat to you, good sir, Big 12. Um, so let's get into their season preview. Let's do it. Are you going to kick things off for us today, buddy? Yeah, I will. So the one last one I have, set, uh, kickoff is due September 26th, day after my birthday. I think that also falls in line with the SEC, but I'm not entirely sure on that one. Obviously, my preparation has been for this show and for other preview shows has been just impeccable. So here we go. Let's start at the top. Let's go with Oklahoma. Now, I'm not exactly sure, like I said, like exactly what's this. So am I asking you the questions or am I posing questions in general or am I asking the questions and then I have to answer those same questions or like, what, what do you what do you want from me here? Okay, so this is, we're offering our listeners an insight to behind the scenes of the sorts of conversations that we should be happening before we come on air. So this one here was really an opportunity for us to just have a headline for each of the teams in the Big Twelve. So it was originally going to be all five conferences in the Power Five, and then we'll, you know touch on what we can for the Group of Fives. But here it is. Headline, and then two minutes trying to back up what your breaking statement is. So I want you to kind of like grab people's attention with something, somehow, okay. and then talk to that, and then I'll jump in with uh, whatever else I can. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't have a headline. <laughs> I've got, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm going to lean into my profession and I'm going to understand that learning happens through questioning. So I'm actually going to throw out some questions there. So I've got a couple for the Oklahoma Sooners. And and one of those is, can anyone topple Oklahoma for one? And secondly, how good is that offense going to be? Short answer to the first one, no, no one's going to beat Oklahoma. They're going to win the big 12. Uh, They won the last five. So let's just keep that short, sharp and shiny. The offensive question is far more intriguing as the Sooners had to say goodbye to CeeDee Lamb. Jalen Hurts makes his way to the NFL, and they are now going to be starting a quarterback that they have uh, recruited out of high school for the first time since 2014, maybe. Uh, who would that, like Trevor Knight? Look at me go. I reckon that's a thing. Um, that's so, you know, he's there. On top of that, like, you know, they've always got a, a strong core of receivers and, and Lincoln Riley's obviously a really good play caller, but Jaden Hazelwood has suffered another leg injury. So he's kind of their big five-star guy who was supposed to slot into that number one receiver role. He's out. So that leaves Charleston Rambo and apart from that, a pretty thin wide receiver core along with Spencer Rattler who appears to be taking the reins. Yeah, he's kind of was a super recruit a couple of years ago. He's a redshirt freshman, but essentially unproven. So there's a little bit to work out here with Oklahoma. And and can they manage their way through the opening part of the season with a particularly green quarterback and a thin on the ground wide receiver core? Well, they do have Tanner Mordecai, who was another five-star, super highly recruited kid coming in behind him as well. So I think there's a bit of a competition between those two at the moment. So Spencer Rattler was the man in waiting, as you said. He, was, I think he was a you know top three quarterback recruit his year. And the expectation is that he wins the job. And he's had more experience in the Lincoln-Riley offense than any of the three before him who've all yeah. gone on to be Heisman trophy 
uh, or finalists or, or winners, I suppose, the, the, the two before that. So I guess a, a lot of people looking from the outside there go, well, this is a kid who's had a year sitting behind it. Everyone else has been able to dive right into it and pick it up. All of the players who have gone in have been like pretty special uh, in terms of mm-hmm. what they've done. Like Baker Mayfield was kind of a, a walk-on who really just blew up, became a number one pick and and was amazing that year. Then Jalen Hurts and uh, Kyler Murray were both really, really good college players before they came across anyways. Like Hurts was somewhat limited. And we say limited when we're talking measuring up against like elite passes. He was still a very good passer and an elite runner of the football. So he had that and and Kyler Murray was a freak athlete as we all know. So they've all been awesome. Spencer Rattler, he comes in with those wraps. Like he he has a, a pretty special toolkit by the sounds of things, but we just don't really know because he is a bit younger. I watched him on that uh, QB1 that they air on Netflix. Seems like a bit of a dick. Yeah. So yeah. tough to get around. Yeah. I mean, a young kid being a dick, how do you reckon you would have come across if you were on one of those shows in high school? Yeah, as like a five-star superstar at my high school. Yeah. yeah I, I, w- I would not have come across great. <laughs> I wouldn't come across I- good now. okay so you also want some i say you like this is kind of your baby so um top three players to keep an eye on or certainly the players that you need to know kennedy brooks uh, i could have mentioned him earlier but he's coming back as the starting running back he's going to take the pressure off that passing game and allow it some time to get into sync during the early part of the season so he's going to be a really really big weapon in the backfield for the sooners deller and turner yell um made 75 tackles from his safety spot last year and and i expect a continual improvement as he and the entire defense become even more comfortable in that alex grinch scheme that saw um oklahoma turn that defense around even in one year so expect the defense to have an even better year and lastly it's got to be that quarterback spencer rattler um everyone you know that name is popular already but his stardom is only going to take off with lincoln riley at the helm and him continuing to dominate college football so i expect to see good things from him unless he you know that that brief personality that was obviously a true indication of who he is as a human being uh on netflix really comes to fruition and he goes all joe mixon or something on somebody and then you know things really deteriorate but either way you'll learn the name of spencer rattler i'm thinking less joe mixon more uh tate martell a lot of tate martell about him yeah yeah similar arrogance model girlfriend probably probably yeah tough life um, so yeah, that takes me to Oklahoma. I mean, or it doesn't physically take me to Oklahoma, but that's pretty much me with the Sooners. I don't see them getting touched really. They are a class above in the Big Twelve. Okay, I think that's probably f- like fair in, in your assessment. I think this year there's more question marks than there has been any others that we've got. So I'm I'm not willing to kind of make concrete calls on anything. I, I I'm thinking that there's going to be more disruption, more upsets, uh, less chalk this year. That, that, that's just my yeah. feeling on it. Yeah, maybe, but we thought that about Jalen Hurts. Can he come in and do this stuff? No, and well, you, you thought that. He I could. thought he'd be pretty good. Yeah, all right. You're but I so like that good, we are... Ne- You're we so are, good, Will. See, we this is now, the dick coming out in you as well, isn't it? 
we are now comparing Jalen Hurts to COVID-19 just quite like, like that's, that's where we're at. All right. Okay. My turn. We're going uh, in-state over to my boys, Oklahoma State Cowboys. Might as well get this one out, out the, way the way. So I, Yeah, exactly, exactly right. So I can gush, so I can have my fun oh, here. God. And, and then we can go. But uh, my headline, so I kind of had these instructions, so it makes sense that I followed them. Disappointing that I thought I was quite clear in what I sent to you and you've just completely disregarded them. I've said... Communication's a two-way street, mate. If it's it's not what you say, it's what's heard, so... Yeah, um, unfortunately, I can't fucking hear for you, can I? So that's fine. That's cool. We can, we can make do with this. But uh, for mine, I've got a headline that reads two words, peak perfect question mark. The fuck does that mean? Well, see, but it's caught your attention. You're reading this article. You're diving into this because you want to know. I'm not. I'm listening. I'm listening to your preamble and it's shit. So get on with it. So peak perfect here refers to the peaks and troughs that is Oklahoma State football and a number of other programs very similar to Oklahoma State that do not recruit in the top 15 uh, teams in the country, that do not have the academics to encourage kids to come to their school that do not have you know a, a whole heap going on in Stillwater apart from that it's a nice country town <laughs> wait what this is what you're opening with yes my okay, opening good. is that Oklahoma State is uh, one of those schools that has to kind of ride the peaks and troughs it's not able to reload and they kind of gear it all around having it all sync up to one year where you've got a lot of experience, where you've got talented playmakers that happen to be, you know, upperclassmen and the potential to really have a dip. And the question mark at the end of this peak perfect is, is this the year for Oklahoma State? As I was mentioning just before, we've got all this chaos happening around. I think there's more, it opens up more doors that if your team is in this boat, it could potentially give an opportunity for someone to really do something special and, and do something that we haven't seen in oh, since I can't remember and make some noise at the national level from this, from this position. And I think there's very few teams that can do it, but Oklahoma State is one that fits the bill this year. Yeah, now, I mean, okay. Obviously, you've got those key playmakers, um, but... Oklahoma State just lose bad games every year, and like, is is this a part of that? I guess, like, yeah, you know. and yeah. So I guess it, it's not every year. It it has certainly been the case the last couple of years, and and I would argue that the last couple of years have been down. They have been rebuilding. They have been the the troughs in in these kind of cycles that I talk about. But before that, they were a team that was consistently winning 10, 11 games a season. Like they, they were going on long, long stretches of that happening and they were doing that on the back of just scoring a fuck ton of points. And I think that that's going to happen again this year. I think the combination of Spencer Sanders at quarterback, who showed a lot as a freshman last year, ha- had a lot of freshman moments, turned the ball over, made some ill-advised throws, but all stuff that you kind of expect from a young guy and, and the sort of stuff you would expect to see progression on. Combined with uh, Chuba Hubbard, uh, so one of the top three running backs uh, in the country, and Tylan Wallace, who's come back from an ACL suffered last year, would have been a 
first round, second round draft pick, uh, former runner-up Bolitnikov award winner. Those three players there are as good a trio as you're going to see at the skill position in any team. They've got experience up front. They've had a... uh, a transfer come in, graduate transfer come in from West Virginia to help bolster the line there. They're feeling really good about that. They've got a whole heap of uh, depth in on the skill position, and that's where the the bread and butter is for Oklahoma State. Like offense is not normally where you get worried, but they're looking sweet there. What's really promising and and exciting for the Cowboys this year is that they're returning ten of the eleven starters on defense. And whilst this was a defense that ranked you know, middle of the pack out of all college football teams, ranked somewhere about the 60th, depending on what metrics you're looking at. They have seventh in the Big 12 in total defense and fifth in scoring. So not great numbers. But middle middle of the range, if they are able to ratchet that up and and improve, and, and this is a lot of upperclassmen, another year in them, bigger, stronger. I think they have a, a few playmakers who can really break out. Uh, Armen Ogbenimia. That's All wrong. good by you. But uh, he's right. But he's already had the corona, so don't have to worry about him getting it anymore. Well, he just gets that giant heart syndrome now. Yeah, well, he's got that to worry. Well, but Farlap was a hell of a racer and had the biggest heart ever, so he could actually start tearing people apart. Uh, yeah, yeah. Malcolm Rodriguez, Colby, Har- uh, Colby Harvel Peel, and trace forward as well all really really exciting playmakers on that defensive side so i think this is one of those years where potentially things could come together they, they have an opportunity uh they're, they're going to be favorite in most matches that they play in outside of that oklahoma one so with the the reschedule that's gone on they're now playing oklahoma in norman which is going to be a tough out but they do get texas and iowa state at home uh, and we're feeling really good about that. And I, I think that depending, there's there's so much that we don't know. And this is a year that you really want to have had dudes in your program. There was no spring training. They're only just starting to hit dudes now, uh, you know, a, f- a few weeks out from when this thing's all going to kick off. All of that is, is going to be crucial for these guys to hit the ground running, get started. And I think they're... They have a great run and a great shot to be comfortably 6-0 and with a lot of confidence to, into the back half of their season. Um, just a quick one that we haven't mentioned. You mentioned picking up certain teams, you know, Iowa State and Texas at home. Does the home field really this year matter? I mean, you're playing, all the fields are the same size. There's no crowd. You're not getting anyone jumping on third down or offensive linemen getting the wrong calls due to crowd noise. Like, is that less of a thing now? That's a fantastic point. And if we were better at what we do here, we would have done some stats on the Premier League, the AFL, other leagues that have been running around home and aways where they haven't been having a crowd. And, and we'd be able to drop that knowledge on our listeners. I mean, we haven't, but whew, I would yeah, be interested. I mean, great point by you. All right. let's. I don't have too much more on the Sooners. I think... I want to see it first before I'll buy into the Spencer Sanders hype. I think that he he did make too many errors last year in big moments as well. And you just can't have that uh, if you're looking to win in those shootouts. And yeah, you can always score a lot of points, but often it was, you know, a critical third down miss or a, or a, an interception at the wrong, at the wrong time in the wrong spot. And 
I want to see Oklahoma State put together a really good season for your sake, but I'm just a little bit hesitant at this stage, and, and that defense needs to improve as well. Anyway, let's move on to Baylor. We don't have all night, so um, I really don't know how to feel about Baylor. They had a good season last year. They lost twice to Oklahoma. Matt Rule has moved on, and he's headed to the Carolina Panthers, but my question is, can the Larry Fedora offense produce more consistently than last year? So when Baylor was good, they scored big, but it came in bursts. Um, and, and this was the danger with them because when they were scoring big, they were winning. And, and when they struggled to put up over 30 points, that becomes an issue in the Big 12. You start losing games at a pretty consistent clip. So um, they do get Charlie Brewer back at quarterback. Four of their five O-linemen are back. Um, and Tyquan Thornton, who is at wide receiver, despite losing Denzel Mims, but I think Tyquan Thornton is an absolute stud. Uh, I think this offense will be better. I have my concerns around the defense because uh, they are so young, which kind of is a natural segue into my top three plays. But before I get there, your thoughts, if you have any, on the Baylor Bears. Was that was that season just like a, a shot in the dark or can they build this thing up and be a, a consistent uh, performer under Dave Aranda? I think they certainly can, but it's, it's going to take some time and, and this isn't the year. Like They're still very much in rebuild mode. They don't have the players this year. Dave Aranda, first-time head coach, a lot of uh, moving pieces there, a lot of people who are having to pick up you know a new playbook for the first time players were playing together for the first time it's not the first, it's not the year that you want to be doing that and, yeah, and great at, like the opposite to my argument for Oklahoma State is the argument for Baylor whereby there's just too many moving pieces I think they're, they're certainly a program that's heading in the right direction since the the scandals that they've had previously and you know the heights that they'd reached there they'd bottomed out and you can see that they've really started to turn things around have been quite good but they are a, a peak and trough team and they're troughing at a really bad time to be doing that so yeah. Dave Rand has got his work cut out for him yeah I don't think he's going to bottom out hard though like I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It just, it's a stinker of a year to be a new head coach in anywhere at any stage. Like you could make the same argument for Matt Rule heading over to Carolina as well. And with a new head coach, you bring a new offensive coordinator and probably a new defensive, like a whole new staff. And that staff probably don't even know all their players' names, potentially, or all their faces. Like They certainly don't know them as intimately as they would like to and certainly as the players would like to. So I do agree with you on that front that you're already playing from behind. And that alone will mean that Baylor will lose games that they perhaps shouldn't. Um, but I still think they're okay offensively. I, I rate Larry Fedora as an offensive coordinator. I know he had his issues at North Carolina as a head coach, but he was successful at um, Oklahoma State as an offensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, he, he's had some really, really good moments. So I expect a pretty good and a, a pretty well thought out offense from him. It just might come later in the season. And I think that's what you're going to see here is, you know, throughout this year, we saw teams would, you know, they might start a little bit scratchy, but then they'd sort of work their way into it. They might not work their way into it until week six or seven. And by that stage, their season's over in a 10-game season. So, um, But three players for me, you've got Terrell Bernard, the linebacker, had 112 tackles last year, one of only two returning starters on defense, and he needs another huge season, probably needs to go um, 
all Big 12. Again, Tyquan Thornton, who I've already mentioned, 6'1", 185 pounds. He's got the size to play inside and out. Had 45 catches last year, five touches, five touchdowns behind Denzel Mims. I think he's another NFL wide receiver, and I really, really like the look of him. And the last one I'll say is Charlie Brewer. He has to have a good season for the Bears. If he can contribute with his arms and legs, uh, he might be able to guide them through that kind of unpredictable, wobbly early slate with us with some solid offensive line play, which they didn't get last year, but hopefully they will this year and, and hopefully an improved running game. Um, you know, maybe just maybe they can eke out a couple of those clunkers and stinkers that they're probably likely to have in the early part of the season. Okay, no, I think that's a great recap of the Bears there, my friend. I'm going to jump into Texas now. Hook them. Hook them. So, well, I'll be interested to actually hear your thoughts on Texas because a lot of varying viewpoints on the Longhorns, so I feel like I won't interrupt you, but I have, so fucking get into it. <laughs> no, and I think that's a really good uh, segue into this one because... Texas are an interesting team to get a read on this year. So my headline for this is, in Ellinger we trust. And for, for mine, I think the hopes and hearts of Texas this year really are on Sam Ellinger and his ability to be able to make plays for that football team and to drive them to where they need to be. So when I'm saying this, I, I believe Texas, well, I know that Texas are one of the highest recre- recruited or best recruiting schools in, in all the land, right? This is, this is not something that's new to anyone who's familiar with college football. Uh, looking at the blue chip ratio, which is something we've talked about previously, uh, that talks about your amount of five and four stars that you're able to recruit on your roster, uh, as a percentage, and they talk about needing to have a minimum of, I think it's 50% to be in the running to win the national championship. So going back to, I don't know, as long as I've seen stats, no team has won it without having met this criteria. Uh, Texas have the fourth highest uh, rate in, in all the teams behind only Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State going into this year. So... They've got the dudes there. And, but this and isn't new information. Like, correct, correct. And, and, and it's not a surprise to anyone that, that, that that's not something new. But where I do think things are a little different this year is that they have a senior quarterback who is a very, very, very good college football quarterback. I think he has an opportunity to make a huge leap and even get himself into the top two rounds of the NFL draft in a similar fashion to what Jalen Hurts did last year. I think he can be a real playmaker for this team. If they catch fire and win a lot of games, he's going to be in the Heisman running. Like All of this is, is potential for him. But there's also the chance that that doesn't work out. And we see some of that Texas stuff that we have seen floating around previously. So, so that's where it kind of flows in. I'm erring more on the side of the fact that they will be good and they're going to be a really good team. And I see three real competitors for the Big 12 this team, and Texas is one of these teams. Uh, I think the talent that they have there, I think they're fairly solid up front, uh, led by Sam Cosme, who's one of the top tackle prospects in all the country. Mm-hmm. And the, the three-headed backfield they have with uh, Keontae Ingram and Rashawn Johnson back and Bjorn Robinson, 
who's who's a five star kid who's who's expected to be you know a, a real superstar. I think the combination of those three and what Sam Ellinger can do with those tree trunk legs, like those things are seriously fucking thick. Yeah, uh, will we'll really be driving how far they can go. Now, where they've been super disappointing, I think, over the last couple of years has been on defense. Yeah. Like, you think about it, they haven't really had any great playmakers. I know they've had a lot of injuries, in particular last year, that's really kind of held them back. But they just don't have uh, a whole heap of guys who've been able to get after the quarterback. And and we all know how important that is, especially in the Big 12, where the ball's just getting aired out. If you can have a difference maker at that position, it can turn things around. And they haven't had that, and that's going to be a big thing for them. I do... Really like uh, the hire of Chris Ash as a defensive coordinator, the former head boy out at Rutgers. I think he could potentially uh, make some interesting changes there. Uh, And on the back of that, I'm I'm really bullish on what Texas can do this year. I think there are question marks, rightfully so. But any time you've got a quarterback entering his senior season who has been as productive as Sam Ellinger has and does have the supporting cast around him, the talent, the resources, absolutely everything, and with that, the expectation, I think there's an opportunity, but they're, they're certainly going to be a team to watch for me. Yeah, I feel a bit the same way about Texas as what I said about Oklahoma State is I'm not trusting you. I, I, I bought in last year and it didn't happen for Texas. Yeah, they got injuries and they got behind the count and it was just tough for them to dig themselves out of that hole. But yeah, you're right. Defensively, they got annihilated and, and Tom Herman's defenses haven't been good. Uh, so hopefully he can turn that around for Texas or, or his stay there uh, might in Austin might become quite short. Uh, I do like Sam Ellinger. I worry about their you know, wide receiver core. They're really, really green. Uh, they lost Colin Johnson, who had only 38 catches last year, and he was their number two receiver behind um, your boy Duvernay, who had over 100. So you lose those two, and a lot of their passing game is gone. So they are going to have to rely on the run. But in the Big 12, that can be dangerous, especially, again, if you get behind and you need to pass the ball to catch up, uh, you know, it might not be the way for, for them to go but they should be an interesting looking team and and if they do run that spread to run kind of offense with sam ellinger then um it, it could be an interesting season but i'm still a i'm a big wait and see on texas this year yeah that's fair all right let's move on to the clones we're gonna head to uh iowa state and we're going to talk about a team that had a bit of a disappointing year for Matt Campbell in 2019, if I'm honest. They went 7-6, and six, the Clones, and they'll be looking to bounce back. But my question for the Clones is, can the defense do their job? And know that you're going to get bombs dropped on you at times. That's just part of life in the Big 12. But hopefully at some stage you can catch a couple of those of your own and give your offense a chance, particularly an offense that should have absolutely no trouble scoring points. Um, they only had six interceptions last year. They struggled to turn the ball over, and they certainly didn't do it in conference play. So the defense just has to do more. They The numbers they put up in terms of total team defense were okay, um, but we, the Iowa State season may hinge on their ability to, to turn the ball over and give that offense a chance to do their thing. 
I've got my top three players, but I'll let you touch on the Cyclones and, and where you think they come in because I think they're probably the second best team in conference this year. Okay, that's interesting. I'd be intrigued to hear more on why you have them above both Oklahoma State and Texas, just purely based on the fact that I, I think they have a great coach in Matt Campbell. Uh, I think Brock Purdy is a, a really exciting quarterback prospect for them and I'm sure you're going to touch on him shortly. But outside of that, there's just not a lot that moves the needle at Iowa State. Like, yes, they're a disciplined football unit. Yes, they're well coached and and that. But I can't see them... Like, they're going to be a tough out for anyone that they come up against. But is is that kind of rightfully the, the second best team in the conference? For me, no. I, I just don't see the playmakers. I don't see where it's going to come from. Yes, they're going to beat a team that's better than them, but I also see them losing to one that they shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not big on Texas because they gave up 570 yards to Kansas last year and nearly lost that game. And um, also ran LSU closer than anyone else. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, that was early in the season, though. I'm, I'm so not Kansas on, are going to win the national championship. I'm Look not big on Oklahoma State because I've, I've heard this about Oklahoma State's offense before and that they're really, really good, but they have to redline it because their defense is so mediocre um, that eventually the offense is going to crack and, and you have to be able to lean on your defense at times. And I just don't think either of those teams can do that in a big spot and they continually come up small. I mean, we've seen it in Bedlam time and time again. We get to three-quarter time, and Oklahoma State are in front or around the mark, and you're like, let's just close this thing out. But I've, I've never felt confident that they can get across the line. And the same thing with Texas of recent. I believed in them last year. I was like, you know what? They're going to turn it on. But they just like continually come up short in big moments. So, um, But my top three players, Brock Purdy, I mean, he's the first of a trio of offensive stars that I'm going to talk about. I think he's possibly, the. there's certainly an argument for him being the Big 12's best quarterback. He's set all kinds of records um, for Iowa State. They've gone over passing yard records and things like that um, all time for the clones. So he is going to, he's going to need another big season, but you know, he jumped out after having some random dudes play quarterback for the Cyclones. Like, remember when, what was his name? Joel Lanning was a middle linebacker and he went and played some quarterback for a game and maybe beat Oklahoma, I think, actually. Um, they had Zeb Nolan. Um, and then they've sort of settled on this guy who's a, who's an absolute jet. Does, has he had his up and downs? Yes. And, uh, you know, as a freshman and a, and a sophomore. But I think as a, as a junior this year, if he can put that together more consistently and bring his floor closer to his ceiling, which is always the goal in college football, then they're going to you know, hang around in more of those close games. So I think Brock Purdy is going to have a great season. Charlie Kohler is the second guy I'm going to talk about. He led the team in receiving last year, and he's a tight end. This is a tight end friendly offense. Um, he's, you know, one of the top five tight ends in the country. I really, really like what he brings to the table and, and he should do the same again. Um, and then the last guy is Brees Hall. Uh, they do get uh, a very effective running back. Um, you know, he's a big, big kind of rangier type running back, 6'1", uh, you know, just over 200 pounds, but breakaway speed. Um, he's a one-cut sort of dude, and, and when he gets in the open field, he's gone. It's, you know, 
he, he's got that ability. So I think those three guys as a, as a triple threat are there to, you know, obviously they're probably a step below the Spencer Sanders. I'd take Brock Purdy versus Spencer Sanders. Um, but then I think the receiving and running back dual probably, probably go to the Oklahoma State Cowboys if you're matching those two teams up position for position um, but I'm expecting a big year from from the Cyclones and and again Matt Campbell being the coach that he is I've got some confidence in him so I'm expecting a big year okay interesting I'll hit me keep with this some, moving hit me with some TCU we're going, football. we're going horde frogs yes absolutely so my headline for this one is to rule out Patterson at your peril so yeah. the those who listen to the show know I'm a big fan of Gary Patterson, the head mm-hmm. coach at you uh, do TCU. love watching that giant sweaty man just work the sideline on Saturdays. I think he does a fantastic job. I, I really like his four-two-five defense that, although they were down last year, was again the best defense in the Big 12. Uh, they are a bit of an odd team where they're more known for their defense in the Big 12, and, and that's not really something that you see a lot of uh, around the place. Like but, at all. Yeah. But they've also been disappointing the last couple of years. So Gary Patterson being the the head coach that he is has, has really become accustomed to winning double-digit seasons and had kind of taken... The Horn Frogs from what was it, the Mountain West, where they were winning, winning the championships there on a, on a regular basis, into the Big Twelve, kind of built up from there, and then were competing for Big Twelve championships. And then the last couple of years have dropped off a little bit. And I think some people would be looking around, starting to wonder, you know, is, is time up? He's been at the helm for twenty years now. Um, it, it, you know, is it time for a change? And my response to that would be. Be careful what you wish for, because I yeah. think he, he is a really, really good head coach and he's done really good things at TCU. And last year's five and seven season is absolutely super disappointing. But of those seven losses, six of them came by less than a score. So there's an easy argument to be made that if they you know, have a bit more luck if they tighten up in the red zone where they were historically bad last year, uh, conceding at, at, you know, over 80% clip, a, a touchdown rate, which is very unlike a Gary Patterson team. Uh, if, if they are able to turn that around, TCU are, are certainly someone that you don't want to mess with. Um, I am a little bit concerned at the talent that they've lost uh, with three really high draft picks to the NFL. I mean, they were really representing the Big 12 there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Jalen Rager, Jeff Gladney, and Ross Blacklock all going uh, within the first couple of days of the draft and, and looked really good last year. And then they're, they're going to be tough tough shoes to fill. So I think on offense, they've got uh, Max Duggan back who kind of took his lumps last year at quarterback but will be better for it. They've got super highly recruited uh, running back Zachary Evans, who I believe had initially committed at Georgia, and and then they've won him across there, and they're expecting really big things out of him. And I think the way that Gary Patterson wants to play his football at TCU, control the clock, having a a strong run game is essential, and, and, and that's something they've lacked. I think this team can certainly be better, but I'm just a little bit concerned that 
they they don't have the playmakers that they lost some really really elite players uh, from last year that they'll be better than they were last year but I still see them middle of the pack a five and five and five team depending on how things play out yeah I, I don't I don't really have many opinions on TCU I've just been disappointed I always used to like watching TCU because they'd always play in big games there'd be tight scores at the end and they'd be in and out of things and you know that just has, sort of hasn't happened they've been playing in these dog fights with the you know Texas Techs of the world and you know it's just not something we saw from TCU so uh, I think the instability on offense and the lack of skill position is correct. They'll probably produce another first-round defensive end that no one knows his name just yet, but there'll be someone that comes out of the woodwork and that happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not big on TCU this year. I think they are part of a, a, a group of you know lower lower middle class to the point of really being irrelevant. Um, so. Yeah, I'm not expecting much from the Horned Frogs. Okay, where are we off to next? Um, did you have your players or are we just going to blitz through them? Did you mention them? I can't even remember. Well, I, I, I cool. mentioned no, let's Mac, go on to Max Kansas. Duggins and good. Zachary Evans. Okay, yeah, we've spoken about dudes who won't be very good. Cool. Okay, Kansas. So this one's going to be short and sweet. I was going to go with Texas Tech, but you know what? I'm going Jayhawks. So the question for them this year is can they win a game? And normally they would win something because they play some FCS school or, and that's a tight game usually, but they can jag a win. Uh, and I'm going to say, no, they can't. I reckon they go winless, 10 conference or nine conference games. I don't think they're scratching one up uh, in the W column. So Les Miles had his moments last year with the Kansas team that has pretty much lived in the doldrums for years. They've probably if not the worst one of the worst power five teams um the offense kind of was okay last year at times and they got into some shootouts and that might be their only ticket this season uh, is you know can they somehow you know really freak somebody out and i haven't had a look at the schedule so i don't know if there's kind of a bit of a look ahead spot there for like a, a Texas, Oklahoma. But I think most of the big games are sort of scheduled in pretty early uh, as a result of knowing that at some stage this ship is going to run aground, probably. So let's get the good games in early before that happens. Um, so, you know, Kansas to me, I don't, I don't see it. I don't think they win a game. I think they struggle again. Les Miles hopefully can see some improvement. It's certainly not going to cost him his job, but... Uh, yeah, tough sledding for the Jayhawks. Again, uh, top three players. I don't have three. I've got one. Puka Williams at running back. He's a scat backy type. Asked to shoulder a massive workload, and he'll do plenty in the running and passing game, but he's going to be by himself. Yeah, I'm right there with you on this assessment this year, unfortunately. I think Kansas last year were a really good news story. They, yeah. they had some good results. They had that incredible win over Texas. Uh, they beat, was it Rutgers, uh, out in the Big Ten, which was the first win against another Power 5 team in quite some time for them. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, those were all really positive things. But then you look at what's happening this year, they're, they're returning like eight kids, like eight starters <laughs> or, or something like that. And, and that's from a team that was already not great. So mm. there's certainly concerns there. I, I'm really hoping 
that they continue on a positive trajectory, but they're definitely going to be an underdog in every game that they play in the Big 12 and quite significantly too. So there's there's no opportunity for these other programs to really kind of take this easy too because there's there's going to be so many in that middle rung kind of fighting around there that they, they can't afford to give up a game to Kansas and, and on this shortened season I just think you're really going to see a, a team like Kansas kind of be up against it every week so I'm, I'm with you on that assessment. Puka Williams I agree is certainly one to watch for. Uh, I think he has an NFL future ahead of him um, so here's on a hoping. positive note though I guess with no fans in the stands Kansas don't have that issue of like lack of fan support and like you know 3,000 people turning out to games because no one's going to any games so they don't have to show those camera shots of like people do they, do they I feel like their fans still get around them yeah like, I don't know they're just lucky that the they basketball the games aren't on at the same time so that everyone just kind of like pours out <laughs> over to the basketball stadium because that would be a bit of a risk but no, all right take me through fun. your case state next surely no no i'm going Ooh. west virginia next oh okay so we're going the mountaineers and my headline for these guys is did you really want it and and i'm talking about the move to the big 12 that's a question by the way just throwing that out there you, you asked a question so well done you finally Done well, I don't know. Why, why didn't you call me out on the first one where I said pitch perfect question mark? I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's fucking battle on. Come on, t- talk to me about some people that burn couches and shit. So did you really want it? Refers to the fact that they may, they've made the move into the Big 12 uh, where they'd previously been super successful outside of that. Where'd they come from? Uh, good were question. They, were they Mountain West? Big East? Maybe. Big East? No, I don't think they were Big East. Don't know. Can't remember. No. Uh, I should know that. I've, I've put you on the spot there. I and don't. It's backfired horrifically for us. Yeah, but you're killing it. They, they were really, really good. And, and they were winning conference titles and they were winning 10 plus games a year every year. And then they came into the Big 10, uh, sorry, Big 12. And they have been okay, don't get me wrong. But it's a lot easier at that lower level to kind of have a, a lesser team and still be battling for a conference championship. This year, there's no ch- they're, they're not in the ballpark. They're, they're not going to be playing for the Big 12 championship. Uh, they were la- in the Big East, by the way. Last year, they were absolutely abysmal running the football. I think they were the third worst program in all of college football, averaging a tick over 70 yards a game on the ground, which just isn't going to get it done in the Big 12. You, you need to be putting up yards. You need to be putting up points through the air, on the ground. You need to be dynamic, and they weren't getting it done. Last year was always going to be a rebuilding year for them, but I think they're just coming from so far back that I can't see them making up nearly enough ground to be uh, competitive with, with the heavier hitters in the conference again this year. I'm not sold on Austin Kendall. The uh, former Oklahoma quarterback who's got the gig there. I need to see a bit more from him. Haven't been super impressed. Uh, what I will say for them, however, though, is Neil Brown deserves an opportunity to kind of get this thing going. He, he was a, a proven coach uh, previously. I think it was at Troy he was at. Yep, and correct. his f- first year there, he went four and eight. 
and then was able to turn that into a 10-3 and three season and then win 30, 31 games over a three-year span, which is super impressive. That, that, that's playing at a really, really high level. So he's kind of, he's shown an ability to build that up. I just think doing that at Troy... Uh, as opposed to going to West Virginia and, and trying to replicate that in the Big 12 is is really uh, chalk and cheese. And I I think it'll be interesting to see it play out for him, but it's not going to be as easy as it was there. And they've got their work cut out for them this year. Yeah, I mean, we see that all the time of guys that do really, really well at the FCS level. And maybe that's all they you know can. That's, that's what they do. But then when it comes to playing... You know, at that next level, at Power 5, it just doesn't happen for them. Um, it seems like Dana Holgerson got out at the right time, a bit like Pete Carroll just ejecting out of USC when that shit was going down. Like, West Virginia have been pretty bad. Sometimes um, they, they can see the writing on the wall. Yeah, kind of. Like, just didn't have the talent. Um, and I'm expecting them to be uh, flopping around there with TCU in that bottom middle-bottom group um, in the Big 12. All right. Who have you got for us? Uh, couple to go here. So Texas Tech, a couple of questions for them. Firstly, is Matt Wells any good as the head coach there? And two, can Alan Bowman get his butt healthy? Um, firstly, I'll go, I'll, I'll go the Alan Bowman route first, and that is the Red Raiders will be starting a guy called Maverick McIver if, uh, if Alan Bowman can't get healthy. So I'm kind of, you know... Not, I'm not hating on the guy. I don't want people to get hurt, but hey, if you're starting quarterbacks called Maverick McIver, I'm 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 down with that. So maybe just a little ankle here or a hamstring there. Get Maverick in the game. See what he can do. Um. So, but you know, with Bowman's injury history, he's gonna get sidelined again at some stage. So, um, get ready for a bit of Maverick in your life. The Matt Wells experience, on the other hand, only into year two. Um, but he was supposed to be this offensive savant that would end up being the Joe Brady of college football before Joe Brady kind of really existed and burst onto the scene. Like it was supposed to be Matt Wells and it, it just hasn't last year really. He went four and eight, um, which was not ideal, although he did beat West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Woo! Um, but, and on top of that, he took Baylor to OT, lost to TCU by two points, um, lost to K-State by a field goal. So they played teams tight. And, you know, I believe that that's the first stage of being a competitive team is can you play teams tight? Uh, they did. They lost those close games. But look for them to take a step forward this year, hopefully with a healthier Alan Bowman. Um, and, you know, this might be a year where they they jag a couple of those or you know it's a bit of more of a coin toss and you end up with a season not four and eight obviously but maybe they go five and five um even six and four at a pinch uh with an offense that's definitely going to put up numbers again and, and hopefully a defense that can just do enough um to keep them in games yeah i i'm with you on on that i mean texas tech are I think traveling in the right direction. I know when you talk about TCU kind of used to be, uh, you know, not messing around with teams like Texas Tech. I think it's as much a reflection as kind of Tech on the improve uh, as it is TCU coming back a bit. Like they're, they're not the 
disappointing, so bad on defense team that, you know, you, you can put up as many points as you want, but if you're just going to get scored on every time someone else has got the ball, you're not going to win many games, team that they have been previously. Yeah. They, they are starting to kind of turn that around a bit. So I, I think you're right that um, they're, they're not quite there, but they're certainly um, another team that I think is building. Just this will not be the year for them. Yeah. Okay. So the top players for them, Alan Bowman, obviously, if his body holds up, if not Maverick McIver. So get around him. Uh, the other one would be Eli Howard on the defensive line. He was an all Big 12 performer last season. A lot of pressure. He's going to be asked to do a fair bit from his. He's a bit of a, um, like a three tech defensive end type. Um, bigger dude on the inside but you know certainly not a stomper but can get a bit of pressure um and you know that's about as much as you're going to need to know and hopefully the red raiders can get some guys coming out of the woodwork putting up some points and getting to that 500 mark that i think they're capable of yeah okay i think that's probably a fair assessment now we're going pay state talk me through this snooze fest let me round that out so i don't want this to be a snooze fest i've tried to have a bit of fun with the name here for you just to get your attention Mm -hmm. Uh, These guys have won my unenthusiastic handjob team of the year (laughs) in the preseason. That's good. Uh, I mean, fuck, looking over over this squad, Jesus, there's not a lot that does much for you. Like, how many games did they win last year? Bet you won't get it right. They beat Oklahoma. It's a good sign, right? They went Three? eight and five. Eight and five. What? Did I they? know, right? That's good numbers. Yeah, good numbers for Chris Klein and and the uh, Kansas State Wildcats. But this team is so fucking boring. And <laughs> like, th- they play good, disciplined football. They do not turn the yeah. ball over. They control the clock. They have a running back who's so meh. Like Skylar Thompson. Uh, oh, Skylar Thompson's a rough watch. <laughs> Like, he's he's not bad moving the sticks on the ground. He passes within himself, but he just isn't doing anything. Like, th- this is a team that it, it's it's tough to get psyched about, if I'm going to be perfectly yeah. honest. But eight wins in the Big 12 is, is nothing to be ashamed of at all. So I think they're, they're a team that, whilst not being exciting when they did score more than 24 points last year, they won all of those games. <laughs> if, if they can show a bit, they're going to be dangerous. They have the potential yeah. to be a really dangerous outfit for a lot of teams. Uh, I think the one kind of shining light that they do have on that defensive side is Wyatt Hu- Hubert, mm-hmm. uh, a defensive end. He's a bit undersized, but real playmaker, able to make a lot of sacks uh, a lot of action in the backfield off that edge yeah he does he does um so he's one that really pops in what is an otherwise fairly underwhelming team for the wild i can't wait for k-state to go like nine and one now or something and bcs national champs (laughs) yeah exactly all right. Well, that brings us to the end of all our predictions. Uh, sorry, all our um, previews. My apologies. Will loves a prediction. He wants to talk fucking records and all sorts of shit, which I give no craps. But like, seriously, are we actually going to sit here and predict like, you know, Texas, Texas's record against the entire Big Twelve? No, I don't give a fuck. Like, okay, I'm going ten and zero. Okay, and so, so, uh, Oklahoma to win it for you. I'm going to yeah. take my Cowboys. 
Yeah, uh, I'm going Iowa State at two. Iowa State at two. I wasn't going to count through them. I was just going to throw out some other things, like offensive player of the conference. Uh, would have to be... If Alan Bowman's healthy, it's him, but I'm going to say Brock Purdy. Okay. Or Chuba like, Hubbard. No, I like those. Purdy. I'm going to go Chuba just to play into my first one. If, if that's to happen, then he needs to have a massive year. Yeah. Uh, defensive player... Oh, defensive player. Who has really stood out? Possibly, I don't know. I was going to go D-back, like um, Bradley Riles or, you know, a cornerback from from Oklahoma. But um, who really stands out at probably more a defensive end or linebacker spot? Um, Who you got? I, I'm thinking Caden Stearns out of uh, Texas. Uh, safety yeah, he's, there. He's making noise, yeah. Yeah, real playmaker. Good fun to watch. I think he could have uh, an impactful year. So I'll go with there. Terrell Bernard, actually, um, out of out of Baylor. I think new new defensive head coach in Dave Aranda. You know, he might not get a lot of help in front of him, but if he can stay clean, uh, he'll eclipse 100 tackles again this year. Okay, I like that. And then uh, one outlandish prediction that is a bit ridiculous, but we will uh, run the tape back if it does happen to come true. Um, Texas Tech make the championship game. That is outlandish. (laughs) I like it. Uh, For me, it is that Bevo gets the Rona. (laughs) Has to be be euthanized. He has bull... That's so, <laughs> that so fucked. All right. Well, unless you've got any other crap that you want to talk, I think we can wrap this bad boy up. No, I've had fun talking Big 12 football. Always. Okay, do. that's good. I'm glad you have. And I've had good a good time actually talking football again. To me, it seems a bit surreal. Like normally I would be getting more excited. Um, and again, I'm trying not to be in this negative headspace, but I do feel like um, this Big 12, like... You know, we talked about the Titanic theme last year and like the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC arose sitting on that on that um, table or a door or whatever the fuck it was before. It's a what door? I think so. It's like the most famous door in movies, but yeah. <laughs> um, like that thing is now starting to just take on a bit of water and it feels like at some stage, um, you know, this thing's gonna. This thing's gonna just get waterlogged. Mate, the, the lifeboats are September twenty six away. They're right there. If we can just <laughs> climb in and get started, then we're out. Just blow. We just need to find that whistle first. All right, we will leave it there. Um, please make sure you do hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at CFB Down Under as we do approach the season. There'll be far more gear going up in that social media space. Um, please make sure you hit the subscribe button on any of your pod catcher of choice. Leave us a five-star review. Say hi. And uh, we look forward to um, you know our continual support from our fans and listeners. Fans is probably not a thing. Listeners are a thing. Um, but on behalf of that guy over there who is up in the hills where it's probably still raining... Will Mirren, my name's Aaron Kemp, and we will see you next time.